One. A wise man once said, that would be me, that the market has propensity to close on the highs or lows for the week. I don't think that's going to happen this week. We're way off the low and we're well off the high. We're just going to have to battle it out. We got some earnings to cover. Let's get to the bank earnings. We got Boeing news, Dollar General news. This is a busy day on pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's get it started, traders and investors. We're basically flat here, down a couple handles at 78.50. Nice 30-point over, overnight range. Buck is down just a few pennies, 106.35. Man, these bonds, they can't make up their mind. Get crushed yesterday, rebounding back today, up over one and a half points at 113. Same with the crude oil market, unrest in the Middle East. Crude back up 349 at 86.43. Gold soaring over 1900 at uh, up 2830, 1911.20. Silver participating much more on a percentage basis. That's up 57 cents at 22.52. And Bitcoin, Bitcoin's just kind of sitting this week out. It's up $90, 26,845. I'm going to bring in Dennis here. And Dennis gave us a little lecture in the pre pre market show about relationships and, uh, Man, there's one thing about relationships in this market, and it's they're constantly changing. Right, Dennis? Yeah, you've got to understand what is driving the bus. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I always like, what is the driver for the day? What is the first thing that's going to move stocks? Because if you can wake up and identify the driver faster than everyone else, you make money as a day trader. It's as simply as that. Driver of the day is TLT. Driver of the day is oil. So, which is interesting because oil, you know, stocks want to be inversely correlated with oil, but wait, wait, stocks want to be positively correlated with the TLT. What does that equal today when oil is up substantially and the TLT is up substantially? <laughs> a mixed bag. But let's break it down and separate just a little bit further because the Magnificent Seven don't seem to care too much about the TLT because the Magnificent Seven doesn't have a lot of debt. So what is really likely to rally today are the companies that have a lot of debt, if the TLT can hold its gains. Right now, TLT getting most of its losses back from yesterday. I'd start thinking more value names as day trades. Day trade hat on here right now. IWM holding up a little bit better, but the separation really isn't there yet. If TLT continues to hold up, I would expect IWM to hold up better relative to the S&P because there's a lot more of those lower P diversified non Mag magnificent seven names in there and then you think about the gold rally too and gold no doubt is positively correlated with the tlt we've given that argument before the yield on gold is zero they don't want to see rates continue to go up because nobody wants to own gold in a high rate environment they want to see rates go lower so there's no doubt when the tlt rallies that gold is likely to rally too and you can clearly see the positive correlation between gold and tlt chart those two things up 
Besides yesterday, which obviously gold did not sell off much yesterday, was down but held. Um, I do think that gold is rallying today a lot. There's other news too, but a lot of it TLT related as well. And uh, just, you know, looking at the bonds and that, I could just pull up the TLT. That move yesterday, that one o'clock just destruction, uh, brought it back. We are rallying back. So, you know, we do the pre-market show, right? And yeah. we, we let you go at nine o'clock. But, you know, at 10 o'clock, you do get to Michigan, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. So if you're looking for a tape bomb or something to move the market, have your heads on, on a pivot at uh, at 10 o'clock. So uh, we can chop a slop till then, but uh, we'll see what that consumer sentiment survey is. On a day like this, we got to bring in Mitch. And Mitch, we got so much news to cover here. Where would you like to start? Let's start in the aviation sector as Boeing and Spirit Aerosystems are expanding inspections of their 737 MAX 8 aircraft production due to ongoing defects. Although these issues have resulted in delivery delays for the 737 MAX 8, the FAA assures that there's no immediate safety concerns. This situation comes after Boeing announced plans to increase production by mid-2025 reflecting growing orders and its recovery from the 737 MAX crisis. What will this do? I mean, it's already been beaten up. It could be even beaten further down here. Um, it just doesn't go away. These problems don't seem to go away. I mean, Spirit Aerosystems has been the worst of them, obviously. You know, making the parts, they hit that one harder. I mean, this was $32 or $35 and these problems started. The stock has been halved since, you know, basically two months ago. Um, Boeing... Yeah, you think eventually, you know, you got a lower P name here too, but, you know, the debt trade doesn't help Boeing either. I mean, it's just saddled and loaded with debt. We're going to continue to go to this, folks. We don't normally. You're just new to this show. We're not big fundamental traders. We don't sit here and analyze all the fundies of everything. But right now, that's what's driving the bus is rates. So you've got to understand the first thing I do when I'm looking at a stock, I'm going to buy it or not. I want to see the debt load. Yeah. Um, but when we, I just, you just know it's low with debts for $47 billion in debt on a $115 billion market cap. It's a yeah. serious issue of the debt here. So again, TLT rallying today would be good news for Boeing. So if we didn't have this spirit aerosystem stuff happening, I'd expect Boeing to maybe show some relative strength, but now you get more problems. So even on a good day for a potential or a potential that hasn't happened yet, a potential good day for some of those debt laden companies, Boeing not participating because of SPR. Uh, I'll just go real quick. Uh, you see Boeing in the red. If you're looking through follow through through the pre-market low, your next daily low comes into the 85.68. So I'd be aware of that. Um, SPR. I mean, I'm trying to find support in this thing, and that sometimes uh, is a little bit more difficult to do. This September low was very important. That's a ways away. That's at 14.65. Man, I'm not really seeing anything in the 16 handle to get me excited. There were a pair of lows at 16 on October 4th and October 5th. But, you know, once again, stocks in a downtrend with bad news. I mean, and high debt. I mean, maybe you need to look to other places. I, there's a lot of risk. We do have a low 182.55. Like I said, TLT rallying today, which we'll get back into in a second, because that should be good news for a number of stocks. I mean, you come in here today, Magnificent 7 just skews this buy. You can't even look at it because it's a useless indicator with Magnificent 7 just going opposite direction to so many stocks that are out there lately. Um, but 
you know, and that's getting hit. But when you look here, I'm looking at, you know, a broader market here. Oil, up substantially. All your oil stocks are up. Banks are all up, which are going to get to on those earnings. We're seeing stocks, you know, defense stocks are rallying here more. Warlock, Merton, General Dynamics, et cetera. Consumer staples are holding up fairly well. Most of that is because of the TLT movement. Utilities are holding up fairly well. Most of that because of the TLT movement. TLT. Um, airlines are getting whacked, but that's because of oil. We know the inverse correlation <laughs> there. I mean, it's all about relationships right now here, folks. It's all that matters. Is so many intricate relationships, and so many people just don't respect it. I mean, how often do you see somebody come on CNBC and talk about relationships? Not that often. So this is why there's an edge in it. This is why I've traded relationships for 23 years. You know, people want to say, you know, every other person comes on CNBC and talks about a chart. But not that many people talk about relationships. That's why the edge remains. So if you can understand the relationships, you will make money in this business. So clearly relationships driving the bus here today with airlines down, oil up, some of the you know the higher debt names holding up fairly well today. And that's because of the TLT gold rallying today. So lots of balls juggling here. Understand those relationships. Let's get to some bank earnings. Let's go to JPM. Moving on to the banking industry, JPM Chase reported Q3 earnings per share of $4.33, sales of $40.69 billion, beating the expectations. However, the bank did acknowledge that it was over-earning on net interest income and noted that credit costs could normalize over time. Joel, jump in here. Yeah, I, I own it. I've owned it since that banking crisis. I'm looking at the pre-market action and the pop. I'm just going to give you one number, a swing number for the day. That's 147. That uh, surrounds the last three highs. If we hold 147, you got a bid. Maybe work your way up a little bit higher into the 148 handle. On the downside here, ahead of earnings, people were really squaring off their positions in the lower 145. So pretty tame move here so far for J.P. Morgan. I did want to add a little bit of a disaster comment. You know how they like to do it at JPM. Well, the disaster comment was, this may be the most dangerous time the world has seen in decades. What? That's what was given on the call. Jamie Dimon? Who said that? I, I don't on the the report that I had they didn't have a name behind it. I'm pretty sure it came from Jamie, but it came on the what are they referring to in the call? And oh, so, I think I can figure it out, Dennis. Are they referring to like the rising debt rates? Are they referring to a lot of banks? And here's why I don't yes. own banks again. Being and and I mean again, just think about your mortgages. Think of everybody who's got a two point five or a three percent mortgage. Your bank is losing money on you every single month that you pay them three percent. They are losing money because they are borrowing higher than that right now. I mean, I guess the deposits, you know, so those people aren't, but people are getting savvy to it. People are getting smarter too. I've talked about the bank in Nova Scotia, you know, where I've got, you know, my mortgage on my rental property at 1.64%. And I'm actually got a GIC with the same bank at 5.2%. They are literally just printing me, what is that? 3.5% every single month, printing me 3.5% every single month for the next 16 months. Imagine having that for 25 years. So this is why the banks have a whole lot of problems. This is why the KRE cannot catch a bit. I mean, rates higher. Seem are supposed to be good for banks, but not when they're all locked up. So, and they're all locked up. And this is why we had four bank failures early in the year. This is why the banks continue to be sold on strength. This is why the IWM continues to be suppressed, which I own some of the IWM. 
you hope maybe we can get by some of these problems. But until rates start to rise, we're not past any of these problems. Is that what the gentleman or or lady at JP Morgan is referring to with those comments? I'm assuming it might even be JP or it might be uh, yeah, Jamie it, Diamond. The chat confirming for me there. Jamie Diamond was the one that said it. Yeah. There's just All a lot of risk. Above. We got war All going on. And and, and Toronto, above. Dave, you're absolutely correct. Jamie Diamond is a doomsayer. He is. He likes to, he is conservative. Jamie Diamond is the reason because Jamie Diamond is risk adverse. Yeah. He's the reason that JP Morgan is best of breed. Because J, JP yeah, Morgan yeah. used to Good be point. aggressive. They used to loan more aggressively. But Jamie Diamond knows what to do. He knows how to control risk. This is why JP Morgan sits not too far from all-time highs when every other bank stock is destroyed. Yeah, He's smart. He's risk adverse. Now, I also, is he going to be right or is the end of the world coming here? I don't know. Nobody has a crystal ball here. Joel had to leave. Um, but I think you've just got to take those comments with a grain of salt because Toronto Dave is saying that he is very obviously conservative in everything that he says always. I think it helps also J- JPM, of course, right? Uh, having a conservative CEO, I think it's helped them. Uh, uh, for sure it has. So. You want your bank, especially in rougher times, to be conservative lenders, to be, yeah. you know, to look for, you know, where is the problems lie here? And this is what so many of the other banks just haven't done. And I mean, the regional banks are just a complete disaster. Like, you got to start looking here. And I was actually, before we get right into the, you know, the bank earnings here, you know, I was thinking when we get past this earnings season, maybe it's not a bad bet to actually buy some puts on some banks. Because, you know, Pac W, I, I, I think, Mitch, me and you have both said that, I think the storm is coming for the regionals. And it's probably a reason not to own the IWM. But I think the storm is coming for the regionals. There was somebody on CNBC yesterday, Joel, and it was an, it was an analyst they had on. And they were saying how good, you know, the PFF looks, you know, like, like, oh. like buying preferred stocks. Why not buy these preferred stocks of these banks? And I'm like, what are you thinking, man? Take the blinders off. PFF looks awesome at a 7.26% dividend. Everybody's backing up the truck. How can you go wrong at a 7.26% dividend? It's attractive, right? But the problem is we're in a 5.5% environment. And if we continue to remain in a 5.5% environment here, well, that 7.5% doesn't look good at all, 7.25. So you're telling me, and if you look at what's in the PFF, it's full of bank preferreds. It's all bank preferreds. Well, if you get some bank failures in there, those preferreds are going to have some major problems. So you are literally going out and paying and picking up 1.5%. That's what you're picking up at, at best, 1.5% long term. And you're telling me that um, I should do that, pick up 1.5% and, and risk all these potential bank failures. I'd say the PFF sets up very poorly from a risk reward perspective. If you're in the PFF, I would sell it and I would move to cash because there's a lot better vehicles right now. Uh-huh. And even like, you know, and then people can say, well, you bought, you know, preferred stock, Loblaws preferred. Loblaws is a grocery store. Loblaws is packed all the time in Canada. It's the biggest grocer in Canada. You know, people are going to eat. So I would much rather own Loblaws preferred at six and a half percent than PFF at 7.25% and have exposure to all these banks. Because you know what? You do. When you're buying the PFF, you are basically buying banks, not direct equity. But again, if the going gets tough and you're worried about bank failures, the PFF is not the place to be because the PFF will go down if we start to get bank failures. So I shouldn't ask Jamie Diamond to come on the show. 
Uh, I Jamie Dunn would we'll probably agree with, with me. <laughs> He'd exactly. probably agree with me. Bring him on here. He'd probably yeah, say, he... yes, Dennis, you're right. 1.25% is not enough. That's not enough reward. Three, four, five percent I want to take on. When you we don't... were buying the PFF, PFF in, in, a, in a 1% environment was yielding five and a half. I own all kinds of preferred stocks back then. They were paying me four and a half percent over the risk-free rate. Now they're only paying you one and a quarter over the risk-free rate. Well, there's way better places to be. You know, I'd rather be in like growthy tech stocks with no speed PEs than the PFF. And again, you're probably not going to lose on the PFF because we're maybe not going to have all these bank failures. But the risk there is incredible right now. I think Money Mitch would agree with me. There is a real risk that this bank did, did more. Did everybody just all of a sudden, you know, sell their homes and move into seven percent mortgages in the U.S.? No. What They're about the office real estate? And a half still. The office real estate is what I'm concerned about because that still hasn't come back nowhere near. People are changing them to like apartments. That's just going to show you. And uh, I think that this is just going to show you that also real estate has grown in asset value, right? These offices are more expensive today than they were before the pandemic. So they're not coming back to those offices, let alone the more expensive offices. So I, I think that you're going to see more and more trouble there. And the truth is, uh, I think people are. I, mean, I, 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 I agree with you there. I'm going to stop you guys here for a second because sure, I, stop think, us, please. I think yeah. people are. Yeah, I, I, I think people are going back to offices. Not at the same rate. I'm not saying that. I will short that great. call all day long. Yeah, man. They're going to go AI. back more than they did during the, the pandemic. Obviously, there were zero okay. people in the office. Yeah, but, that's but a little. Are we going back okay. to where we were before the pandemic? Because there are analysts that come on CNBC and saying eventually we're all going back to the office. No, I didn't if it was up to if Elon Musk was running the world, we would all be working from the offices. The issue is Elon Musk is not running the world. If Elon Musk was running the world. It would be a lot different place. And you know what? Probably not a lot happier place for a lot of people because he's a workhorse and he would make there's no four day work week coming at <laughs> no, Tesla. No, no. It's I'll tell six you that days. much. <laughs> there's no four day work week coming at Tesla. All right, let's go to Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo Q3, $1.48, beating the $1.24 estimate. Sales of $20.86 billion beat the $20.11 billion estimate. Uh, Wells Fargo has been falling a lot more than kind of JPM. What do you guys think about this chart? And then I know the chat wants to just take a look at Bank of America. Maybe we can make some comments on it technically. Um, yeah, it, again, JP Morgan is best of breed. If I was going to own a bank, it would be JP Morgan because it is best of breed. Wells Fargo chart doesn't look great. None of the banks look good except JP Morgan. Goldman Sachs held up okay, but it doesn't even look that great. And it's not a pure bank. Um, what were the earnings, Mitch? Were they they were obviously okay? They beat. They beat. Yeah, they just beat. Um, nothing, nothing included there that really stands out. But uh, definitely, it included three hundred and forty-nine million, uh, which was nine cents per share of a discrete tax benefit. So that kind of helped their EPS get a little bit higher, right? They beat the one dollar and twenty-four estimate with a one dollar and forty-eight, but nine cents of that came from that tax benefit. Okay. Dennis loves one number and one number only. <laughs> what are you giving me now? 41. You bumped up against it. You know, you got to cut through the paper all the way through 40, 40 and a half. There's probably a boatload sitting at 41. Hit there in the pre-market to take out 41 to get a 41 bid and things off to the race. It's just saying does not reach 41 or does the one 41 
4105 and then lock down again at 41, then you're going to have a, a potential down day here in Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Keep an eye on 41. And is is um Warren out of this? I can't remember. Someone asked that. I know he has the Bank of America. Did he get it out of the do you guys know off the top of your head? If not, we can we can look it up in the back. We can have one it's of our a lot of the banks, assistants. but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll take a look into it uh, while we talk about the next stock here. Let's go BlackRock. It's it just Black... I'm not buying anything. Is such Joel? I mean, such a concern. Is it not? Is it not? I mean, you bought the home builders. I'm a little concerned about those, but we won't get into that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> that that is kind of interesting. Uh, let's yeah. go to let's go to BlackRock here. Q3 adjusted EPS ten dollars and ninety one cents beats the eight dollars and twenty six cent estimate. Revenues of four point five two billion, matching the consensus. But for the first time in nearly two decades, clients are earning a real return on cash and can wait for more policy and market certainty before de-risking. That was said on the call. Now, if you take a look here, long-term quarterly net inflows were at three billion. Slowing down from 80 billion in inflows in Q2 and reflecting 49 billion of net outflows. Um, this is not looking good here, at least from when I look underneath the hood. And then their asset managements also are falling here 9.1 trillion from 9.43 trillion at the end of Q2. Chart Oof. doesn't look great to me oh, either. No, it's not one that I would own. Um, 3.18% yeah, dividend isn't even attractive anymore either. There's better places to be. I mean, we're talking banks, 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 and you know what money, Mitch, and, and BlackRock's an asset manager, but we're talking financial companies overall here today. Every company that reported was basically a financial company except UNH. Mm -hmm. You know what money, Mitch, and me think of you know financial companies right now. Me, me and money, Mitch, are not in love with financial companies. Yeah, no. Unless you're playing them on the short side. <laughs> yeah, well, there is. It's two sides of the market could call. Yeah, me, that, that, that's true. Uh, I, I think uh, I'm number? shorting pops on banks. I'm with you. BlackRock, yeah. not a bank, but removes at the banks. Well, it's a six hundred dollars stock, so you know. How Does it want six hundred? That's what I think here. Do technicals? Well, first things first. I, I I'm going to give you one number because Dennis gets mad if I say more than one number. Yes. Lower the move. <laughs> five five twenty three sixty. 523.60, there was one low ahead of it, but I'm, I'll give you ooh, I'll give you a zone. 624.25798, because that splits those two lows from uh, August 3rd and August 4th. Yeah, it seems to me like on the chart, it wants 600. We'll see yeah, if it gets yeah, there. Yeah, it's not pretty. Citigroup Q3 EPS at a dollar sixty three beats the dollar twenty one estimate. Citigroup Q3 uh, sales of twenty point one four billion beat the nineteen point three two billion estimate. They do see fiscal year twenty three revenues at seventy eight billion to seventy nine billion, excluding twenty three diversers uh, from related impacts. Um, Citigroup guys, what do you guys feel on Citigroup? Is this a little bit better? Ooh, yeah, this... sure. The banks are relief popping on all of these earnings. Relief. City, pops City is what loves it is. to come in a little later too, and and look at they Delta. Usually do this. Go look at Delta. Delta, yeah. pretty good earnings. <laughs> was going fine. That's but true. Serious downtrend and turns around does key reversal on earnings That's and closes smoked. down the day. Yep. Yeah. Banks historically pop on their initial release and then historically usually give it back, but we're set up even for more than that. Because we're in this environment. Now, again, with TLT rising today, maybe that helps to buck the trend. Maybe they can hold up. Because I do believe that companies with a lot of debt or companies that are very rate sensitive, 
are going to be stronger here today because the TLT is up. So that's what puts the wrench in the plans of just flat out shorting all the banks here. If TLT was down today, I would say I'm shorting all these bank pops. But TLT is having a day. And in full disclosure, I have the positions on TLT. I'm trading in and out of it. So, you know, obviously, um, it, but, it, but it's having a day. It's getting back all of its losses from yesterday. And that's good news. And like I said, we get above 90 on the TLT. Maybe start thinking about, you know, some of these staples. Maybe start thinking about some of this stuff. Because some of this stuff's been killed, man. Killed. But, and I do believe we're getting closer to the top of the rate cycle, which will be good for a lot of these banks. It will be good for some of these companies. So I'm not just telling you here, oh my gosh, you got to sell all your Cokes and your Pepsis. You know, Pepsi after yesterday, just a debacle. I mean, at a certain point in time, I'm not coming and buying banks because I think there's a lot of risk. But I think at a certain point in time, some of these consumer staples are going to be bought. What happened so. to Pepsi? Yet? Oh, what happened in the last two days? Was there news on Pepsi? I think no, there was, had, Joel. They had their, um, wasn't it earnings, I think it was, just a couple there, days ago? Did they no, have that earnings? was a couple days ago. It, it rained. Yeah. Two days it, it, ago, it, yeah. They, and, they reported. Um, go ahead. Good luck. Hang they on. reported right. two days ago. You went, you hit the 165. I mean, I'm not sure. It was a gap up day. And I was, oh, I was thinking it was on the dailies. I'm like, oh, Yeah, they reported man. Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Citigroup. Run one number for Dennis, and that's going to be 43. Uh, Pre-market highs just under that. You have, uh, if you look at your upper right chart, you had another high just above it. So up a buck 17, pretty good volume. Plow through 43. TLT say strong. S&Ps go green. You could have a good day. I just would be one of those things. If you get a 43 bid, just make sure it goes 43.10 bid, 43.20 bid, and someone doesn't come and lock you down, back it up at 43. PNC Financial Services reported Q3 earnings per share of $3.60, but missed revenue estimates. The bank's net interest income was down 2% year over year. There was a provision for credit losses in the quarter. What do you guys feel about this PNC chart? Same thing I feel about all these regional bank charts sitting here, we're hanging around, eventually Sit waiting to go hanging. lower. I think they're waiting for bad news, at least. Or maybe today, news, but... today is okay as long as the TL. TLT starts breaking down. Don't own the banks. Just, just have that up on your screen. Have don't even worry about trading the TLT. Just have it up as your indicator. Have it up there today. Banks may be okay for a little bit, anyways. But TLT starts to roll over. Don't be along the banks. Mm, uh, 124, got to like that on a rally. If it, it continues, that's uh, not, not the pre... Well, first thing you got to do is get through yesterday's high. So that's a little concerning. After that, you got uh, 20, 2313, then 24. On the downside here, I don't like this under 122. Now, there is another daily low just a little bit below that. But after that, it really drops off to the 118.50 area. So let's see. Uh, early action uh, up 78 cents. Still a ways to travel to get the high from yesterday's session at 123.13. Let's change tunes. United Health Group Q3 adjusted EPS $6.56 beat the $6.32 estimate. Sales of $92.36 billion beat the $91.37 billion estimate. United Health expects fiscal year adjusted EPS of $24.85 to $25. Versus the estimate of $24.84. Prior outlook was given at $24.70 to $25. Defensive stock that everybody wants. But remember, a stock is a stock is a stock. This stock's back up near all-time highs. I'm not buying stocks near all-time highs. 
Hmm, let's see. Uh, you got a gap and go here up eight bucks. Uh, Pre-market highs a ways away, so we'll stick with that as a potential target. You want to see it get to 536.55 and continue. Uh, act at your pre-market high. The dailies aren't giving me much. Your next monthly level comes in uh, at, uh, ooh, that's a monthly high. That's 530.45. You're, you're, you're up here, folks. I don't, don't you know, selling, I, encouraging more than buying or booking some profits. I really don't see uh, an area. If you're looking for a decline, you're shorting this thing like Dan Back likes to do. Uh, top of yesterday's range, potential support at 528.58. Just to take a quick look at our relationship with this one, what about CVS? Because I've been seeing it just lag, lag, lag. It hasn't really moved in, like, I would say, like. CVS or like Humana? Wouldn't you put Humana no, more in there? CVS, healthcare. No, CVS plans. is in there too. It falls on their healthcare plans, right? Um, yeah, so, they have the drugstore, but they have healthcare plan. They have the yeah. Medicare stuff. So, Medicaid. So, it's just been sleepy here. What do you guys see? At least just quick look on the chart. Mm. Like to bring up some relationships. I mean, WBA had a day yesterday, not a bad day, showing life sold off, but then rallied and closed near the highs. I mean, is there a play for CVS here short term? Maybe. And as a stock I'm investing in, probably not. I, I don't mind. I, I don't mind the. I don't mind the dip really in CVS here at this point in time. Like, I don't mind this area as a trade, but below like 68, I wouldn't want to be in it. Uh, but you had to get Phil. Right, that big old gap filled when uh, Blue Cross uh, pulled out and went with uh, um, Mark. Uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name from uh, Amazon. He, Mister Mister Big Shot. He's on the shows all the time. Come on, help me, Broadcom. Mark, how did I forget this? Guys, help me out. Mark Cuban. Mark. It had uh, the, Cuban. The, the, come the, on, the, God, you guys are useless. Somebody man. we thought. Why did you well, say Amazon? Man. Dennis told me some Dallas or something. I would have got uh, it real quick. Dennis, watch your offers here. It's not a rip roaring rally, but it's like a creeper <laughs> rally here. So it import and... prices just came in. But the main thing, the main reason is more stocks are starting to wake up to that. Hey, we got bonds having a day, man. Bonds are having gold. a day. Woo! Yeah. 4220. Gold is ripping here. Uh also keep an eye on gold really mark. ripping. Holy mackerel. Dollar if general. When it gets back to two thousand, I'm selling it. I, you guys are hearing it here first. I'm sick of this gold position. I'm telling you, I'm selling when it gets to two. You're in gold. I bet. Yeah, he's always in gold, man. Come yeah. on, he's always in everything. Does that make money long run though? No. Like, because it don't pay any dividends or nothing. Like, no. I mean, look the at the long term chart. Does anybody really make no. money in gold long run? Does it keep up Trading with inflation? It. For the last 25 years. No, it doesn't gas. keep up with inflation. Now, no. that's for sure. Doesn't that's the hard part, much. right? I mean. I yeah. never well, own gold. Yeah, they they say, you know, Kramer says, oh, it's your hedge. You got to own 5% of it. Yeah, I know. That big hedge. Maybe sad. 30 years ago when people actually cared about gold. I don't see people wear it anymore. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a gold bug. I, Sorry, Peter Schiff. I'm not, I'm not, not a, a bug. bug. I'm just like an old fogey that invests in gold. So yeah, that's what I that's am. Okay. <laughs> I we mean, it's, we, it's we know such, Joel's a, an old fogey. such a small percent of okay. the portfolio. Well, that, I, that I look at the gold price just because I like looking at uh, gold, gold rush, the show, and I like to watch them dig for gold. But that's just me, you know. Uh, let's keep going to Sounds Dollar fun. General. Oh, it's a good show. If you guys don't watch that, Joel, you ever seen that Gold Rush? Gold oh, Rush. I show it to you. 
I know the chat will know about it. Dollar General shares trading higher after the company <laughs> updated financial guidance for fiscal year 23 and announced Todd Vasso as the appointed CEO. Dollar General's outlook fiscal year EPS at $7.10 to $7.60 versus a $7.73 estimate here. Also gave full year uh, fiscal year EPS growth of 34%. It's negative, negative 34% to negative 29%. Not what you want to be hearing, right? Yet I wanted Gordon to buy Haskett this stock. You all know it, I wanted to buy this stock. I thought it was going to go under 100. I thought, you know, lots of things. But again, the debt has keep him, kept me away from this stock. And it's just a lot of debt. But good day. I mean, for a time of the day, needs a new CEO because obviously, you know, this most currency you hasn't done much good for it. Stock has just been destroyed. Margin's still getting, you know, eaten up alive, probably. Um, guidance was okay, not fantastic, but maybe better than what Wall Street thought. So that's the only reason I think you really get the pop-up. Overhead supply all over the place, though. So hard to really, like, jump on board and say, yeah, this is the big rally. But remember, massively oversold stock. You know, that's kind of the contrarian of me wanted to buy just because it was so massively I know. oversold. I know. So can massively oversold stocks rally more than seven bucks sometimes? Uh, it's funny because I keep uh, on my uh, quote monitor, I obviously keep all the, the major commodities and the big components, the S&P. And then I have another section for, uh, you know, stocks from the show, you know, that we covered and, you know, easier to pull up the charts. But I've been keeping DG at the bottom. You know, just because it's just it kind of got stuck there and we talk about it and I'm like, wait for it to get to 100. And I saw it pop, you know, oh, all of a sudden it's up eight bucks. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they fired the CEO. And then you go to pro and uh, they had it. This is a tough call. I like to see it get to the pre-market high. Uh, the pre-market high is uh, 110.49. So, man, if you had been bottom fishing in the last two weeks, three weeks, you're either up money or even. So it's a gift. It's a gift rally. I think if you want to buy it long term, you could probably get it at lower prices. But that's what I'm looking at for Dollar General. Let's get to our guest time. You guys out there, smash the like. All right. We got Jonathan Corpina on, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Parker Partners, New York Equity Trader. Jonathan, you go. good Gentlemen. to have you back. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Having me. I know it's been a I'm back. I'm, uh, I'm ready to join your show and looking forward to uh, many more interviews ahead. Okay. All right. So... Over the years, you've uh, heard us, I uh, know you joined the show early today, and uh, we kind of get opinionated going one way or another um, in the markets, and uh, we definitely have some strong opinions what's going on now. Uh, from your big macro standpoint here, uh, you know, tell us, tell us what you're thinking yeah. about the the markets, interest rates, wherever you want to go first, Jonathan. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic and, and try to find the silver linings of things. And uh, it just seems like there's so many headwinds that are that are sitting on top of this market right now. Right. So, like, let's go geopolitical issues that we're that we're dealing with right now. Uh, th those headlines continue to evolve. They're, they're quite concerning. 
Um, and I and I think if they're moving in they're any moving in any, it's moving in a direction where it's it's towards escalation and probably you know more involvement from supporting uh, allies, right? And I think we're you know we're going to get pulled in a, a little more than we are at this point. And I think that's certainly going to have an effect on the markets. We look at interest rates where interest rates are trading right now, clearly having an impact on. Uh, housing prices and people's mentality of what they could have bought uh, and and got for interest rates two years ago versus where they are now. We all see those charts on the equivalent of a of a home at five hundred thousand at three percent versus one at seven percent, and that impact that's there. So I, I think that's certainly more of a uh, a factor than than we're playing into it. And I think I think Main Street investors are are looking at that more and paying attention to that more because originally we were thinking you know interest rates are going to spike and then come back down, and now we're now we're all in the camp, both the us the professionals and Main Street are, are looking at this, that interest rates are staying where they are, and it's going to take quite some time for them to come back. So until everyone gets comfortable with that, I think that's going to add continual pressure on our markets. I think overall sentiment is is just heavily down on our markets right now. Like, you know, S&P traded down a 4,200. We're trying to rally back. We have, a, we have a nice little bounce to it. That just doesn't seem like there's enough muscle that's really going to be behind this and get us to where I think people feel comfortable with our markets. You couple last year's returns with this year's blah so-so returns. It's just going to get us in this kind of this kind of murky area. And then just adding on to all of it, you know, as every day goes by, we're getting closer and closer to 2024 election. That cycle, those headlines continue to play more and more into our markets. A lot of uncertainty that's going on there and jockeying for position and how that's going to play out. That clearly does have an impact both on our markets and overall investor sentiment. So as that date gets closer and closer, and I know we're, we're 13 months away from that, but that's right around the corner. Um, you know, that that's going to play a, a an important role in our markets because it might force investors to to take a pause, move away as we as we get closer and closer to that date. So overall, I just think there's just too many negatives that are in front of this market that can really get us back uh, back to where we've seen before recently in the past, you know, two to two to three years. Uh, and it's going to it's going to it's going to really need some sort of catalyst to get us up there. Let's take the trader hat off just for a second. And I struggle having the trader hat on all the time. And just think, though, when this market sentiment has turned south and, you know, prices, you know, and a lot of stuff are sitting like if you move away from the Magnificent Seven, it's been an epic disaster. IWM sitting near 52 week lows, lots of stocks making new 52 week lows. Consumer staples, utilities have been a complete mess. Rates are soaring high. Sometimes historically, isn't this the time to buy, Jonathan, if you got like a 10 year time horizon? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that's so funny because I have those conversations with people and I and they ask me that question. I'm like, OK, well, you are you a trader or are you an investor? Because if you're an investor, this is this is a perfect opportunity. You're not going to you're not going to pick the bottom. Right? It's going to be impossible to to actually catch that that wave. But if you look historically at prices and historically the way the market you know, returns have been, it's during these lulls and we're in this long-term lull, right? Where we, we, after last year and, and coming through this year, it seemed like this year we were going to have to have, we were going to get a rally and we've, we've sold off from that. RTY is flat on the year. So I think these are opportunities now when markets continue to build long-term bases over time where prices historically stay low these are opportunities certainly to get back into that market if your investment horizon 
is for a longer term, right? And once again, we talk about 2024. I think 2024 is going to be choppy with the election cycle going up and the uncertainty that's surrounding that. So if you're able to wait that out and maybe not fully leg into positions, you buy a little, you wait a little, see where it goes, you buy a little more. If you're able to play that over an extended period of time, historically, these are the times to be buying the market. What do you think about just the concentration here in the, in the Magnificent Seven here, or Elite Eight, whatever you want to call it? I mean, you can hide out. They have the low debt and everything. I mean, is you look at the IWM, that's getting ready to break down. I mean, we've seen over the years where there's a point where that, you know, where the, these stocks could just do the heavy lifting. But until, you know, you can get, you know, the rest of the more of the broad market, it, you know, it's hard to get super optimistic. How, how are you on something like Apple, you know, on the uh, Magnificent yeah. Seven? Yeah, listen, I, I, I hold I hold position and they're ones that that uh, clearly keep a strong hold on a on a portfolio. You know, the concept of you know, rising tide lifts all boats. You know, that tide's got to be really, really strong to bring up all those other components with it. And yes, these magnificent seven certainly have enough firepower behind them. They have enough cash on hand behind them to to sustain any storm. It just seems like that concept works in a short period of time over a longer period of time if the if the sustaining if the stocks components below it don't rise with it i think the frustration level comes back rather quickly and the appetite and the appetite for risk comes off also rather quickly which then puts pressure on that market there but you know when you look at those stocks there's certainly ones that you should have in your portfolio you certainly can see the opportunities when you know the volume you know, the sometimes seeing those when you can start to start to pick off some some lower prices um, but for an overall portfolio you you need to have those components in there all right, Jonathan, I want to ask you a little bit about technology. Of course, uh, year to date, we're up about 35.3%. Do you think this is as good as it gets for technology or do you think there's a little bit more juice here? I, I think this is as good as it gets, right? We, you know, you see the the over the calendar, the rotation and uh, and, and tech becomes favorite when, when, when adversity seems to be around. Um, I think with some of the geopolitical issues that we're seeing you know, globally and the effects that that can have on it, right? Go back to pre-COVID, the, the major headline that we were talking about was you know, China tariffs, right? And, and that, that conversation still comes into play. It's gonna continue to come in play when you have a geopolitical issue between China and Taiwan, that, that's going to have an impact there. So I think from a, from a uh, sector point of view and considering what this market and economy has shown us so far this year, I, I think this is kind of where we're gonna get to in, in that sector there. I don't think there's any other real strong components behind it that's gonna be able to, to lift it any higher. So if um, if someone like one of your clients, your institutional clients, like calls you up and says, Jonathan, I want to start to build a position in X. Not, I'm not talking about X, the stock, but what would be something that you, and, they, and they, you just think it's just a, like a horrible idea. What what would that be? Would that would that be some of the financials? That would you know? Would it be some of these uh, staples that have been killed? Like what what would you have your institutions avoid? 
Yeah, I, I think there is risk in the financials now, right? I mean, we, we can all we can all look at J.P. Morgan and Jamie Dimon. They're, they're an animal within themselves, right? So, right? so uh, as much as we'd like to use that as a barometer to what the financial sector is going to do and maybe overall what the earnings season is going to do as Alcoa used to be way back when, uh, you know, I think I think J.P. Morgan is in a world of its own. I think there's others that are going to struggle there. Look at the look at the banking crisis that we've had over the last 12 months and, and the failure of four big big companies there's more brewing that's out there right and i and i think that was a wake-up call that was able to that gave uh, some of the smaller banks um an opportunity to kind of really look at what they're doing how they're doing it and seeing if they can they can add they could take some risk off the table associated with that i think if we continue to see interest rates move higher and we have pressure on our economy not that we're in a recession or going into recession but as we continue to talk about the r word i i think some of the smaller regional banks still have risks still have exposure um that's just not rising to the surface just yet and i, and I think that's something that we're, we're going to have to clearly keep an eye on i mean look at how fast that came in that came in went right like we're here we get a, a headline about signature bank we get you know silicon valley bank one or two others and then it's we're not talking about it anymore it yeah. can't just be within that 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 realm there so 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 when i look at financials i kind of peel one or two of the bigger guys out of there and then i and i look at financials as a whole and i think that's where we might have some risk moving forward now uh, I'll put it on a percentage basis. What do you think about recession? Would you, what percentage would you give it? Probability. We've been talking about this for a long time, right? Uh, there, <laughs> yep. there, are, mm -hmm. there are pundits out there that say if we haven't hit a recession as of yet, we're not going to. I'm leaning more in towards that camp. Um, I, I think with what you look at, what. what activities what the government has done interest rates go i can go down the list you know if we haven't gotten there yet uh, i i don't think we're going to get there i'm going to put it at a i'm going to put it at a 20 percent chance that we hit a recession if not if not lower um uh you know the fed clearly holds on to all the bullets to manage that so uh, and they've got plenty of ammunition behind them i don't i don't think again I'll get back to what I said before. We're getting into an election cycle. What what political candidate on either side is going to want our country to be in a recession during the during the election cycle? cycle. Either they're going to use it to their advantage to say, well, look what's happened, and I'm going to fix this, or they're going to win and get in and step into a step into a situation that's going to be really hairy to get out to. So I think I think from I think from a whole headline cycle, it's not a chance that we get there. Jonathan Corpino, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Partners, at Jonathan Corpino. I'm going to still say Twitter. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jonathan. It's been a long time. We're super glad to have you back, and uh, we'll be dialing you up again real soon. Gentlemen, thank you. Always a pleasure. Have a great day today. All right. Like always, let's take a peek into the markets. How are we looking, Joel? We're still rallying. We still got a rally. TLT still baby. moving. <laughs> TLT, yeah. Uh, what you? Yep. TLT. That's the yeah. sneak. That's the rally. So I've been trying to buy stocks all morning for that simple reason. I came in actually short IWM, and I was like, I'm covering that thing because <laughs> if TLT is going to be up this much, IWM is eventually going to play a catch-up trade here. Yep. So you just see the opportunities. Like people think, oh, high-frequency traders have it all whipped. They don't have it whipped. They're not even programmed for half of this stuff. So they have market making whipped. 
they have you know basic you know arbitrage web some of the stat herb stuff but they miss so many things so many opportunities for a savvy trader to just profit from and this morning when you come in i'm like looking at stocks trading red and the tlt trading up two bucks and you think like well i don't think stocks are going to stay down i mean that's why we sold off yesterday so you're telling me we're not going to rally when the tlt gets all of its losses back so and again you know he's staying away from magnificent seven because they haven't kind of been moving opposite the overall market but got to be thinking like yeah i think there's you know that opportunity for some of these beaten down names to have a relief rally as long as the TLT holds its gains. Don't you think there's uh, programmers right now listening to the show and like putting all the input in here? That, yeah, and by know, the time they, would... they get it all back tested and all put in there, it really should be the other way. I'll make money <laughs> from them that way too. Turning but to again, the con- AI maybe changes it all, Joel. Maybe that comes Ooh. into the stock market and puts me out of business too. But, you know, <laughs> I thought. Automation in no, the markets. Man. You gotta have be behind it. Good traders out of business. You look at Twitter, you know, like your Christian Fromhertz's, you know, your Jeremy Newsom's, you know, the people who we bring on this show, like we look through, you know, our guest list and we know who does well. Kenny like kills it, man. You know, like he finds his opportunities here. So there are good traders out there. And you know, these couldn't exist if you know everybody just thought automation just is taking yep. over the market. Dennis, you, you got to remember, though, re- remember right now, it's not true AI. We're training the AIs. So if anything, you and I could train the AIs to learn relationships right now. The I don't want them to learn because then they're going <laughs> to, then Skynet's going to come exactly. kill Dennis Dick and Mitch Hawk and we let take them over in? the whole world. We're trying the to fight is, Skynet. Yeah, should we let them in, right? I mean, that's that's no. the question. There's a reason why they're collecting data right now, right? That's we really should what ban these them AIs the are doing. Yeah, we we're banning bet. all the bots from the show. If you're That's a bot, it, bots. If, you're if not you're allowed to listen anymore. Chat, you're, if you're a bot and you're trying to program, will you please put a one in the chat if you're a if bot you're a, in your program? <laughs> bot. If you're a bot, you're put a one. If you're not a bot, just stay put. So if you're a bot, you got to put a one in the chat right now. Then we can see all the bots. Turn into the controversial bot. Yeah. Brian's yeah. a bop. Steady's a bop. Sean, Easy, Walter, Ivan, Shane. Again, the crow. Jeff, ATFE, Juan's a bot. Easy, Mike's a bot. Elon's not a bot. Unbelievable, Elon's not a bot. Toronto Will, Dave. You're Toronto Dave's a bot? I can't believe it. You're He's out been of here. on this show for years. Man, these bots. What's Mike? Jay's a bot. Michael's a bot. Xavier's a bot. <laughs> Holy mackerel! Alt Styles is a bot. Joel, we should have did this years ago. Here, this is the better. We're not nobody left in the chat. So we, okay, we're boarding. We can't ban the bots because the only people who listen to the show are apparently bots. Maximus <laughs> said the real question: Am I the only human left? Yeah, I think he might be. That's oh, Maximus, w- w- wait till they start Vegas. asking us that question. At least the the bots. At least. All right, turning to the biotech sector, cassava scientists working on an experimental Alzheimer's drug called simufilum is faced with allegations now of misconduct involving longtime contributor uh, weighing that this came from an investigation of the City University of North uh, New York. Um, they're raising concerns about the integrity of the research supporting it. And so you guys can see it. This is really affecting them. This is why I talk about it all the time. This is the number one sector that I stay away in investments. I just feel like this is an easy way to ruin portfolios. That's what I would say, because the truth is you never know when these headline risks and these tape bombs are going to come. 
and you're investing in smaller, you know, biotech companies on a direct basis, you have this risk. Sometimes they work out and the trials go well and then they kill it. And then sometimes the trials don't go well and they get killed. I mean, that's the way it is. You know, XBI is a way to play diversified, but we know lending and capital is an issue for smaller biotech companies why the XBI is making new five-year lows or wherever it is. Sava has bounced off the lows. I know, I know. I I mean, look at the short-term chart. Joel will go grab it for you here. We were down last night to under $8. So (laughs) maybe that was an overshoot. It's back up to 13 here now. So it has bounced from those after-hours lows when it looked like it was going a straight line to zero. Bouncing up here now. So you come and you see down 25%. Like, oh, my gosh. This is a (laughs) terrible day for my Sava shares. Lucky you didn't look at it last night when it was eight bucks. Yeah, I what know. helped it, of course, is they released a statement saying that they're at least from the company, they said that there's no findings of data manipulation. So that yeah. kind of gave them a little bit of a boost. But we're, uh, we're, the, we're the only group that can look at a stock down 25%. I was like, man, this thing, <laughs> this thing is strong. Look at strong. this thing. <laughs> what a great I mean, looking chart. That's up 48% from the bottom. <laughs> I know. Uh, I would just, uh, I'll go one number here and that it just, your rebound high of uh, 1370. So anybody that picked it up on the scoop, they're just like, I'm just getting out. I'm just getting 1370. Just get me out. So I don't know how big of a player is, how many shares they have, but uh, right now I'll, that is half star resistance there at thirteen seventy. Yeah, mm. the bottom of yesterday's sure, range. Sure curveball. Seventeen point thirty four. S&P's I, in all going. the years I've known you, and I used to enjoy when I tell this story often. When I entered the bright trading office in Detroit in May of nineteen ninety nine, I looked down on my desk and I had this sheet, and it was full of the S and P components and a bunch of stars. And I'm like, what is? this and i'm like the next day was the same thing the s&p components and a bunch of stars and joel would print that out for our 20 traders in the office every single day all the stars you know and like levels of resistance on the s&p and not just the not the component, but it was the s&p futures and you have this resistance this is just as a five-star level a three-star level and all those years i've known you i've never seen you put a half star level so one day you'll have to teach me the half star level okay Okay, <laughs> let's get to a, a last downgrade that I wanted to kind of bring in here. Morgan Stanley downgrading JD.com to equal weight, lowering Ooh. price target to 33. Um, earlier this week, China was talking about how they want to step up efforts to boost its computing power by more than a third in less than three years. Of course, aimed at benefiting local suppliers and strengthening technology self-reliance. I think a lot of this, of course, trying to battle back the U.S. and you know, cutting their technology efforts. So uh, I think this is an interesting downgrade coming in here on JD. Wow, what a fall from grace. The COVID stock of 2020 that just could not stop going up. It went from 25 to 45 to 65 to 85, going all the way up to $108 in the COVID bubble of all bubbles, which they'll look back in the history books and say, that was the tech bubble part two, and it really was 2020. Now you look back here and full trip gone. Gave it all back. I mean, is there an opportunity on JD.com here down in the 20s for you longer term investors? Maybe. Maybe I'm going to put this on my Ah, list to take a look at the fundies a little bit further. I had trouble investing in China stocks, though. But JD.com, man, it's come all the way back full circle. 
Yeah, I mean, we're looking traded down. Got hit yesterday, big time too. So uh, down a buck seventeen. You thinking maybe someone that got it on the short side yesterday, maybe is looking, uh, you know, to bring it in. Uh, just I'm just gonna go China here, and it's funny, you know, we shift our focus at you know in the markets and obviously what's going on in the Middle East. If it we just we just don't talk about China anymore. It's just it's like uh, I should we thing. be? I mean, we come back know. down here. I don't know. Maybe there is an opportunity. Alibaba's down the low 80s again. Every time it gets to the low 80s, it seems like it's a buying opportunity. Maybe you just got to play it simple. You know, like the channelingstocks.com. Buy low, sell high. Same stock again and again. Well, maybe it works on Baba. Yeah, just overnight risk, right? I think that's what we all think about. When We're we all waiting for the invasion. <laughs> well, at least start. It's like not waiting, but there. Oh, there's wars say... all over in the Middle East. There's wars here, wars there. They won't even notice me going into Taiwan and taking over. I'll, I'll tell you well, what. I don't I, know about that. that was I don't think I'm waiting. I would definitely have some fear on that moment because that could be the start of you know what could be World War Three. I mean, I don't want to get to that point. No. You know that we already have enough. Musk unrest. says it's imminent. He said it was imminent in that interview six months ago. He says one does not have to read between the lines. One can simply read the lines. He basically said eventually one day they're going into Taiwan and it's going to be pretty. Dennis, I want to bring you back to what you brought up at the very beginning because it was a very important point. What's driving the bus today? What are you seeing, Dennis? TLT oil. Do, 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 uh, do. But they're driving the bus in different directions. So there's going to be like a crash here, like between the two of them happening here. So oil stocks rip roaring higher, which should be bad for stocks. But TLT rip roaring higher, which should be good for stocks. So stocks are at odds. We're down earlier. Now we've rallied up. I think we're in store for a lot of chop. Banks are having a pretty decent day, holding on to the gains. Again, see the separation. Certain stocks are going to do better when the TLT is rallying. You're seeing a lot of, of the mega cap tech stocks not participating much. QQQ barely up here. IWM, which I was predicting earlier, which would probably start to rally, has indeed happened. It is now up 0.5% uh, on the day. I covered my short because I came in short IWM here today. I covered it at 71.80 and 71.70. So just because the TLT was higher, wish I should have went just loaded up long side on that. Flip puppy. it. Flip it, Dennis. No, I didn't flip it. I just got out of the short. At least I you kept some flip. of my longs though because I came in short today. I'm actually long, but I should have flipped and bought all that IWM. So I kept you my ain't trading. You ain't I fading, kept all my baby. staples longs. I feel like the staples <laughs> should rally. Okay. Uh, so I started at the top of the show and I said, you know, sometimes the market has a propensity to close on the highs or lows for the week. And I said, I didn't think that was going to happen today. Well, I, you know, we're, we're, we're only 40 handles off that high from, uh, from yes, or 35 handles. So, hmm, I don't know. It would catch a big bid here. We are, we are strong into the pre-market. I just got to give you a, a number Ahead of the interday high and a, ahead of yesterday's high, and th and that's going to be the high close for the week, and that that's forty four oh nine seventy five. Let's call it forty four ten. I think it would be really maybe not necessarily making a new high for the week, but make a new closing high for the week, considering all the circumstances, everything that's gone on since we started this show on Monday morning with the uh, you know the spoos down and the world caving in. So. Uh, and I want to ask Jonathan that too. Like if you were told, like if they put you in a time capsule and they brought you out and they said, war in Ukraine, Middle East unrest, higher yeah. uh, CPI, higher PPI. Higher where do you oil. think the higher oil, where do you think the market is 
oh, 4,400. Uh, I would, you know, it just, to me, it's a real head scratcher, but yep. you got, it's not you got a head scratcher. It's the magnificent seven folks. Cause when you look at the IWM, you get a completely different picture. The IWM is off a cool 172, 244 is the high. What are we down? 30% from the all-time high on the IWM. Is that about right, Money Mitch? Is my air math correct here? I'm not as good as the air math with Joel, but that's 70 points on 240. That looks to me approximately. So this wide, this broad market really mm -hmm. is down 30% from the all-time high still, 30%. So, I mean, when you take out and you look at, you know, what stocks are doing, it's not been pretty unless you're in the Magnificent 7. And even tech, like, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, well, I'm in tech. I'm okay. Magnificent Ooh, 7, you're okay. What tech. Ask yeah. Kathy how she's doing in her tech stocks. 160 to 38 bucks. Woo. Can I, can I ask you a Dennis, a, a non um, market related question? Uh, Mitch, is this going to pass? Well, I'll, yeah. I don't know, Joel, we're going to pass 9 a.m. You might it? get us. What is it? Will will the Red Wings make the playoffs? Ooh. We don't talk hockey on this show ever again after the Wednesday night debacle. So I am leaving saying nothing about hockey. I've taken hockey and throwing it out the window and not looking at it ever again because my team got killed at the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not even thinking about it. It bothers me every minute of the day. You know, when your hockey team, when your team loses, Joel, when Michigan gets blown out by, let's say, Michigan gets blown out by Ohio. Does that not bother you every minute of waking day? Doesn't for it? A year, for a year. For a year. <laughs> for a year. <laughs> sports, man. Don't get your kid hooked on watching sports because they're in for a life of misery. Only one team can win every year. There's like 32 teams in every major league here. Your odds are so low, so that means 31 out of the 32 teams are going home pissed off. Getting your getting hooked on sports is just a just a way to just be miserable your whole life. Might as don't well like play sports. the lottery. I, it's so easy. Like, you look at other people. Like, I have friends that, oh, I don't watch sports. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know, I I'm should just spoiled, not watch man. sports, too, because, you know, I can't help it. I'm hooked on this crap. My wife says, why do you watch if you're going to get pissed off? I'm like, yeah, I my can't wife help says it. The same I'm thing. addicted. It's like, you know, it's my crack. I mean, I'm addicted to sports. I can't well, help but watch Why do you watch crap. it if you get mad? At least well, the Lions are trying for us, Joel. That's been a lifetime of misery, so. Anyways, we don't talk hockey on this show. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Hey, listen, uh, I'm gonna hop here. I just wanna just wanna tell you that um, Craig Johnson coming on the show on Monday over there at Piper Sandler is gonna give us his outlook on the market for the for the uh, for the rest of the year. So really fun show today. Uh, great job today, uh, and not only today but this week. So uh, signing out, and if you guys want to hear from Anne Marie Band. Uh, she's going to be joining me on the closing print at 3.30. So, everyone, have a good day. I we'll need, to, I need to listen in because Anne-Marie always calms me down. Yeah, we might need it at the end of today. Calming well, voice. You guys have Anne -Marie. a great one. Anne-Marie's talking. Breathe. Yes, thank you, Anne-Marie. We love you, Anne-Marie. We'll see. Go get after down. it, Dennis. Go do what you do best, my friend. Have some fun. All right, Dennis getting into his trading action. I'm going to bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. And it's a special day, guys, because normally we would be going towards our quarterly, but we wanted to do something special. We wanted to keep the show going for you guys. We didn't want to cut you guys off from some trading action, especially on a day with all the bank earnings coming in. So if you guys want to come check out some trading action, stick right here. You don't got to go anywhere. We have a great community that supports you, talks about all the top movers out there. 
charts all the time being mentioned in the chat. What's moving? You don't want to miss what's moving. Come hang out with us on live trading. We're starting up in just about a couple seconds. Don't miss me. I'll see you guys over there. We'll be right back.